Jimmy has reasonable internet, so yes. hopefully this will make it a great show. You I know can what's see funny you. though? Yep, you can see me. I don't have to shut my my video off. Just while we were just talking on the on the preamble here, I got this message. It's AT and T from free message. Your data use this month has already exceeded sixteen gigabytes. You exceeded da 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 da. Before the next cycle, you still have unlimited. However, your speeds may be reduced. This I was used to all time the whole time I was away because of all the podcasts I try to do on the phone. Oh, using yeah. using my phone internet and I and yesterday morning I was all prepared we we were going to try and go yesterday morning we had a hold up but I was all ready to go so I was like surfing the internet with my phone connected to the internet so I exceeded my bandwidth yesterday even before we even got started and we never did get started so thankfully I'm here because yesterday I would have got that warning probably in like 15 minutes in and then oh. I would have had to turn my video off and I would have been like hey, I about Oh, we lost Jimmy. Oh, there he is. <laughs> That's exactly how it goes, too. <laughs> I'm but, happy to be back in the house. So there's a, there's a thing that we can all see each other when we're on Skype. And then when Jimmy's video or his audio cuts out, Bob and I both kind of make a face. And it's kind of like our way of communicating, <laughs> like, do you see Jimmy? No. You, you know, yeah. And then, no, but we're then just, I'm talking and talking and talking. And I realize you guys haven't reacted in about 10 seconds. And I go, oh, can you guys hear and then Jimmy. Oh, oh there he is. Oh, hey. And okay, yeah, we got him back. back. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go back into my ramble. But luckily, that's only when you're in California, for the most part. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. I'm so back. happy to be back. God, it's, it's like those four weeks never happened. Everyone I meet goes, how was the trip? I mean, honestly, the trip was really good, and I had a really, really, really good time. It was very fulfilling, much more fulfilling than the last time, obviously. And... Had a great time, and I'm more involved in the show. Of course, I don't know what the edit will show. I won't be involved in any of that. But the uh, the camera time was was quality camera time. It wasn't just me like showing off. It was me with the contestants having a lot of learning moments, and I really bonded with the team this time. I did last time, but this time it was really more like bonding over what we all do, and that's making and teaching. So that was it. Was really it was really good. Very, very, a lot of feel good moments, um, you know, between me and the contestants and also the contestants and each other and, and the hosts and stuff. So I really feel the season is going to be very potent. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So, and, uh, and I'm happy to be back in the swing of things back here. Just when the weather's starting to break, that grass is actually yeah. green. So it's amazing. The grayness awesome. is starting to like melt off. Mm-hmm. We're going into spring. It's really nice. Nice time. And you came back to, Jumping right into a class, right? Didn't you guys yeah. just have a class? <clears throat> I came back. It's funny. I, I, had, I jumped. I got back on Wednesday morning. So I guess that was about a week ago. I got back Wednesday morning at 10 in the morning. And then I had this. I got an email a few months ago from somebody at Nike, Nike, the sneaker company. And I got, they said, our creative team is going to be, this is so funny. Our creative team is going to be in New York and they all want to meet you. There's a few of us that are big fans. Whoa. And, and a awesome. bunch of other people that want to be converts and they want to meet you. And they said, can we, can we meet you? And we negotiated, like, I, I said, I'm not going to be in New York, unfortunately, and I might do this TV show. So it was like all this talk. Anyway, it all filtered down to me meeting them in Hudson the day I got back from California. So I didn't want to miss this opportunity because I didn't know who I was going to meet. I just knew I was meeting some people from Nike, the creative team. I don't know what part of the creative team. I don't know who. And so I got into town. And he, he texted me, at, uh, he texted me uh, the leader of the team texted me, and he said, he goes, we're a little hauled up. Uh, we're we're going to rent a bus. 
so we're going to drive straight up. So this way we can come because they were going to take the train to Hudson. I was just going to hang out with them in Hudson. We were just going to do some inspirational shopping and looking around and they just, we were going to talk. So he goes, we're going to get a bus. So we could probably come straight to your place. So I send them a map pen and now, and now fast forward. Now it's like seven 30 and I check on, I'm like, are you guys anywhere close? <laughs> so they were supposed to be up here at like one or two o'clock on the train. So now it's seven 30 and he's like, we're, we're 10 minutes away. And now I'm at the shop. Brett left. Uh, Ryan, I don't know, Ryan was still around. Taylor had to leave, and I'm by the. Sh- I'm at the shop by myself, and they get there at just about eight o'clock, and uh, and someone knocks on the door. I open the door to the garage, and there's one guy. He's like, "There's 18 of us." I'm like, "None of this was clarified." Oh, oh, man. <laughs> None of this is- he just said, "I'll be with a group." He didn't say how many people. So, 18 people filter in, and like out of the 18, like maybe five or six actually know who I am. The rest are all like, "Why are we on this trip?" And they all filter into the shop. And immediately, it's just the question and answers begin. The group, they're like, what makes you creative? Like, w- tell us about your business. And, and I was basically doing like a roving lecture Q&A with them as I walked through the shop. And it was so good. It was really, really, really a lot of fun. It was good. It's good when people hit you with questions about yourself. It kind of helps you self-reflect, you know, in a, in a good way. And it was uh, it was really nice. And a, c- a couple of the guys knew all my videos and all of our videos. You know, there's a couple of fans that know everybody. And th- it was just such a rich great diverse team of people of uh, of all ages and it's the night creative team they do some special stuff for uh special needs people so if there's somebody like they're very flexible in the way that like we eventually went to dinner at a place that stays open all night so we went there and we sat at this place till one in the morning and then the bus was outside and then i i greeted them all say goodbye to them at the bus and then i a taylor by that time had come to eat with us and they went back to New York and I went home. So it was just those few hours we got to hang out. It was really nice. And uh, they told us about some of the specialty things they do. They 3D print souls and then they make molds of them. So they could 3D print a mold. They could 3D print the soul. Uh, they have all kinds of design teams that make the uppers. Uh, and these guys design, they design in a couple of uh, 3D software programs. Funny enough, no, nobody ever said they used Fusion. They all said they used mostly Rhino and a couple of other ones. And uh, it was great. It, uh, I can't even uh, think of any good examples of what they, they might have told me. Oh, there was one, there was a person who had uh, deformed, born with deformed feet. So the, the father wrote to the team directly to Nike, you know, the PR person and the PR person gave it to the team and the team designed a pair of shoes for this young boy so that his feet would look normal at school because he was getting bullied. And they showed me a couple of the pictures, but there's, they have tons of examples like that of like specialty things that they do one-offs. So in their department, they could make a brand new pair of sneakers that don't exist in a line. They could just design a pair and make it and, and do the one-offs. Hmm, we talked wow. about the guy whose foot blew out. Remember the guy, the basketball player whose foot blew out of the side of his sneaker? Mm-hmm. They knew all about mm-hmm. that. They said they warned him not to wear those sneakers. They said those aren't for your size. It's like getting like a pair of bicycle tires for a truck is basically what they said. They said, you know, those th- that you might like the style, but that style is not suited for your for your size, weight, and your, you know, your aggressive way of playing the game. And... Uh, he didn't listen. And not to mention, he said the big problem with sports people is that they get superstitious. If they win a game in a pair of shoes, they wear them for like four or five games. And they shouldn't. They should only wear them maybe one or two games per because they take huh. a, a much higher beating than they would, you know, average use out in the street. So they said that uh, he, he wore them a couple times. That's so. interesting. Yeah, you know, this is kind of naive of me, but I, I look at big shoe companies like that and I think that – there's probably some research in there. There's probably some like fine tuning for athletes, but the majority of it's just like 
they just try to make cool looking shoes and they're like, oh, we got to figure out how to make the back bigger, you know, so it's like a little different. We're going to add some air quotes support, that type of thing. But then when you look at especially like the um, the abstract episode that you you mentioned at one time, David, mm-hmm. where the guy was it was like with one of the Nike designers that goes really deep, probably actually not that deep into how they go about making the That's shoes. That's funny. How yeah, he Nick, with Nick, Michael Jordan. I got I got to look stuff. at that episode. I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, Nick told me to watch that because I told him I was going to do. Yeah, and it's it's surprising, and it's also really encouraging. Like to hear what you're saying, where the specialty, you know, like craft something to fit a certain person who has a certain need. Um, that just shows how naive I am in looking at an industry like that that I don't really know anything about. You know, where there's there's a lot more like actual thought and stuff that goes into those designs than I would realize anyway. And the team is so like, you know, it's just, it's just a really highly open, interested intellectual team. Like even the people that didn't know me on the team were more than curious to meet me and ask me all kinds of questions. They were very intrigued by the new printing press section of my shop. Well, you know, of old printing presses rather. And uh, I asked, how do you recruit people? Where do you get designers from? Because like I said, there was all walks of lives and ages and a lot of Europeans on the team. And they said they, they, it's very organic. It's not like you need to go through like art center and, and graduate. And, you know, you got to go to a specific fair. They said they meet people all the time and they, they find people that are going to be a good member of the team, somebody that's going to inspire the team. And they might pluck somebody at, 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 out of anywhere that they meet. So I'm waiting no, re- for my, my job, waiting for my job offer. So <laughs> <laughs> I really miss the days of working at the ad agency and then just going out on like the team building, just getaways, like, you know, laser tag or going to a baseball game or, or, or doing something fun. It was just take your mind off all the stress that's involved in working at at an office and you just become better friends with everybody around you. And Bob, do you guys ever go out and take the team out? A, a little bit. It's funny because we were actually talking about that yesterday because we've been working at Josh's house um, for the past week or so. We're doing a project in his house and we were talking about axe throwing i think anthony mentioned throwing axes because it's a thing that's happening a lot now and we were talking about like oh there's this place that does axe throwing and go-karts like next time forby comes to visit that would be a perfect like no okay (laughs) that would be cool (laughs) but um we were like legit talking about yeah we should have like a you know an outing like let's the four of us go do something fun together and it was funny that was super cool to think about but also it was just funny to think that like we have a team where we need to do stuff like that to reinforce the the team you know um so we haven't done a lot of that yet but i think we will but the good thing is the way that we work throughout the day excuse me it's just kind of like friends hanging out anyway Mm -hmm. and we're building stuff while we're going so we have a pretty good time um you know there's not a lot of office stress right right (laughs) like in an agency before we go ahead, I want to flip the, the script a little bit here and mm-hmm. thank our Patreon supporters. Because this is what I wanted to start with, and I forgot about it. Yesterday, I was thinking in the morning how crazy it is that we're... This is episode 210. Nice. And I was like, we've done 210 episodes of us talking about basically nothing. You know what I mean? Like, we just <laughs> like talk about what we do all day. And I also also was thinking about the fact that, like, the three of us are friends. We like each other. We enjoy spending time together. But in all honesty, without this show, we probably wouldn't make the time to sit down and talk on a weekly basis. Right? No, Just because absolutely everybody's not. busy. We wouldn't. And so I actually, and this is maybe a little sappy, but I legitimately want to thank the Patreon supporters for making the show possible <laughs> so that I yeah. get 
have a really good validated reason <laughs> to hang out with you guys. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, I guess, an entirely selfish way to look at it. But I am really grateful that thank we you. have those supporters. Um, and so I wanted to thank them. Man, my throat. I'm not crying. It's just coffee in my throat. <laughs> um, especially Make, Build, Modify, Caleb Harris, uh, BG Workshop, Blondie Hacks, who I couldn't think of Blondie Hacks last week when I was talking about meeting Quinn or a couple weeks ago. I could not think of Blondie Hacks. I'm sorry, Quinn. Um, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Maker in Training, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Corey Ward, Evan and Caitlin, and Wise Old Dow. There are top supporters, but... Everybody who helps us out, even at like the dollar level, we are grateful and thank uh, legitimately thank you for helping us continue to do this show and giving us a, a really good way to make this a priority within our very packed weeks. Yep, so um, definitely. And there's also been a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of posts of people framing their posters. So thank you guys for yes. getting those posters yeah. and framing them. So thank you all very much for that. It is cool. Um, and we've gotten some good topic ideas. Actually, we got a few emails that I forgot about uh, with from uh, through Patreon. That's where we get a lot of topic ideas where people will post an idea there and we'll read it and we'll get to talk about it. So thanks for those as well. And if you so want to help out through that, go to patreon.com slash making it. Um, and, you know, everybody at any level gets the after show, which is another 10, 15 minutes of us chatting. And sometimes there's secret stuff. Um, sometimes there's not, but... It's more. Uh, do you have? Uh, yes. I hear three D printers going. Is that what we're hearing in the background? It sounds like you're in a newsroom. <laughs> sounds like I'm in a newsroom. Because oh, you know you what? Mute, it goes away. It's a hard drive. Okay, listen to the. Tell me if this changes. Silence. Did it change? So, yes. Okay, so my hard drive is on my desk. <laughs> when it transfers the sound to the and mic. it's it's copying uh, files from another computer. And so it's just like spinning. And I actually put two layers of foam underneath it to try to dampen that this morning, but I guess it wasn't enough. So I thought it was me. I'm like looking around going, what am I, no. am I tapping my knee unconsciously? <laughs> I'm always the one who's doing it. Sorry, so, it's the hard drive spinning. No worries. Um, oh, so I, I got to hang out with the night team for a few hours. It was great. You know, we, even though it was a few hours, it was very, very intense and potent and, you know, all hugs, goodbye. It was very nice. And then the next day I kind of had off to get started on a couple of very small things, just kind of getting reacquainted with the shop and what Brett and Taylor did while I was gone, which was all good. And then uh, the knife class kind of started Friday morning because people started showing up right away. Uh, actually, Thursday, uh, Nick showed up, and so Nick helped us out with some stuff in the shop. It was all a whirlwind, and then we went right into the knife class, which went really well. It was great. My buddy Steve Pellegrino was the teacher. It was the first time he taught more than just a couple people at a time. And the students were great. I got, I'm already getting a couple of nice notes from some of them. Uh, they had such a wonderful time, and, and I'm really happy for that because it's always nerve-wracking getting 10 strangers in the same room. And hoping that they get along and hoping that they, you know, they feel fulfilled and, and uh, happy about their decision to come here. It's not cheap. You know, not only is, is the, the fee a, a certain number, so is their traveling and their expenses and time away. So me and Taylor try and do the best to make sure that they made the right decision to come and hang out with us. And it was great. We ended up with some really nice knives. I've been watching the, the, the you do a good job of kind of documenting it on Instagram stories. And I've been watching that and following it. I do have some questions. I think I'll yeah. save it to the after show because we're oh. um, we, we have a, some topics to talk about. But I want to talk about uh, grinding belt grinders and and yep. and um, do 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 I want a bench grinder or do I want a belt grinder? And you get, you have yeah. a whole bunch in your class, and I got some questions yeah. about that. So we'll we'll yeah. save that for the after show. Okay, go for it. Cool. So, oh, uh, David, what have you been up to? 
Uh, let's see. I I just got a new welder that came in uh, that showed up the other day, and so we've been kind of cleaning out the the car garage pushing kelly's car over to the side a little bit more and now we have a little place to do some metal working so i've been playing with that and one of the things i thought i was just going to just use flux core because it's just easier it seems like it's less of a hassle and uh and so i'm I'm playing with the welder and i'm and i'm and i'm welding just doing some some beads and some lines and just welding scraps together to get used to it and i'm like this is not the feel that i had in class this is not the same you experience. guess you were running yeah. a guess and um and i and i realized like it's this is messy this is go- actually going to create a lot more cleanup and so i went to a local welding supply it's actually called welder supply here in toledo and i'm like i walk in and I go up to the guy. I'm like, I don't speak the language, but I. He's like, I know who you are. And I was like, ah. Uh, and it was like the, you know, like, uh, he, he's like, I, I watch your videos. And then I was like, ah, oh, I just feel dumb because I don't know what what to ask for. Am I, is it called a bottle, a cylinder? And he's like, either either one. So he hooked me up with the. Um, we started off with a with a small bottle, and he explained like how much welding time you'll get with it, and then why it's cleaner, why it's easier. And I took it back, and I got much cleaner welds, less less messy. It was more what I was used to in the class, but I was still doing. I had some bad techniques, so I went through four tips in one day. I I think I finally got it because I kept fusing the tips, and um, I don't know. It was uh, uh, we were. We were set up in the in the class I was taking to to not fail, and so when I'm on my own, I'm like, oh, I got confidence I can do this myself. And then I kept, yeah, this is I the learning failing. where the learning comes in right now. Yeah, and so it's it's been really it's been really fun to just kind of like Great. dive into that. And so that's where the, so the bench exciting. grinders and the belt grinders questions is going to come in because yeah. uh, these tools are expensive, and I want to make sure I'm I'm heading in the right direction. So working on that, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a couple videos uh, in the in the edit bay. Um, I don't know which video is going to come on next. So yeah, we'll just we'll just say that's what I'm working on right now. Very good, cool. Um, well, I'm not really even sure what's coming. Oh, I do know what's coming out this week. So I think last week I talked about the Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet that we did. Um, and it was supposed to be out last week, and we are still waiting on approval. So that video will be coming in a few weeks, but unfortunately, it's not going to be this week. Um, so this week, we did a... Uh, we have a gimbal, like a motorized gimbal, you know, for the camera. <clears throat> and it's the Crane 2. So they came out with the Crane 3 not too long ago, a couple months ago. And one of the big changes on it is that it has an extra handle that comes out the side. So you hold the main body of the gimbal, but then you also have this other side handle. And one of the cool things about it is that you can you, you get a better stabilization with two hands, but then you can also use the secondary handle that kind of comes out of the side to go like under slung. You can put the camera down. And there's some other stuff to the new version, but I didn't really want all the other stuff and I don't want to buy a new gimbal. So we basically made this handle to bolt onto the existing gimbal. And, um, I used, we got a Wazer not too long ago to the water jet. So I used that to cut quarter inch aluminum. And so I just laid this little handle, this very simple bracket out, um, to fit around the circular post of the gimbal, laid it out in illustrator, put it in the Wazer. It cut it out 
like perfectly the first time. And then I did a few things like I, I cut off a collar so it could fit around the cylinder or added some threads so we could thread it back together and then added another little handle and put some wooden scales on the side and then powder coated the whole thing. And it looks like legit and it works fantastic. Mm. <laughs> like it made a significant difference to the use of that gimbal for us. So is that, a video? that was pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be on this week. Do you struggle with like, how do I present this video? Because you know, a very, very small percentage of your audience will have that gimbal and will need to make that thing. So do you struggle with how do I present this so people will watch it and, and get something out of it? Um, I mean, I think the biggest difficulty there is just getting someone to click on it. Yeah. Like that's the, you know, once they get in there, I immediately am going like, well, I have a thing that I'm trying to make better for me as you know, with this is an example for you to, if you have a different thing that you want to make better for you, then you should come up with a way to make that happen. Um, but I think the hard thing is just getting somebody to start down that path to uh, figure it out. And we're, we don't really have a great way to do that with this one. It's just like we put water jet in the title to maybe kind of people go like, Oh, what is a water jet? Or I want to see how that works or something, you know, to draw somebody else in. But it's one of those that probably won't do quite as well for that exact reason that you're talking about. It's like somebody may be like, I don't need a gimbal. Um, but at the same time, looking at most of my projects, a lot of people say, well, I don't need an Optimus Prime gun or I don't need a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't need R2-D2. Um, that's just kind of the the way that our stuff is. So, but I hope people will watch it because um, it made a significant difference to the tool that we use on a regular basis. And I made sure to provide... 100% alternative ways to do every bit of it. So if you don't have a crazy expensive water jet, mm-hmm. you can do it with, you know, anything else. It was just aluminum. I mean, you can do it with a bandsaw. Um, but yeah, that's coming out this week. So hopefully people will like it. Um, either way, it will make our camera setup a little bit easier and better to use. So that's good. I was going to ask Bob, how do you like the Wazer? Um, I like it. Uh, you know, I... To be honest, I heard some kind of negative stuff about it before we got it. And, like, I talked to Chris Zepp quite a bit about it. And he told me, not negative stuff, but he told me the kind of ins and outs of his use Quirkiness. of it. Quirkiness, yeah. So I was expecting a little bit more um, hassle with getting it up and running. And we had one bad water seal on it when we got it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just had to fix that. It was like an O-ring was bad. But once we fixed that, then it has worked great. And we've used it a couple of different times now. Yeah, I just I ended up just, making two different versions of this gimbal handle thing because the first one I kind of mismeasured stuff, and so I had to cut it again. And both cuts were yeah. great. Yeah, I, I just uh, we just set it up. I set it up literally two days before I left, and Chris happened to be up here, so Chris was like my live action PDF setting the whole thing up. So thank you for that, Chris. <laughs> he did the whole thing. He knew every quirk. Thank God. If he wasn't there, I would have been like having the hose wrapped around my head, like with the instruction <laughs> book in front of me. But we got it going, and we did the test cut. You know, the the bottle opener yeah. worked good. I will say that I was actually really impressed with the whole setup process. With they, they have a binder with really well laid out, really detailed setup instructions, and there's not waterproof. a whole lot to set They're up. Waterproof. I mean, it's like yeah, getting the water lines run and and all that stuff. But it's it's a simple machine to use, and I was kind of, because it was a Kickstarter. I was kind of expecting it to be a little more bare bones, and you know, like here's a PDF with the instructions printed out and. You know, hopefully we didn't skip any steps, but it was actually a really nice 
process to get it up. It's very thorough. Like I said, the the book itself is waterproof. Aren't the pages all waterproof? (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, probably is. Yeah. Yeah. Water gets everywhere, even with the top (laughs) clothes, man. It's just like there's this fine mist of water and particulate everywhere around the yeah. thing. I put it I put it in the basement of my house. So it's it's underneath it's underneath this office I'm in now in the basement because mm. it's kind of a mess. I have an old basement that has like stone floor. Laid stone floor and laid stone stone walls. So it's it's perfect environment for it. Yeah, mm. wet basements are a great thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like having your own pool. <laughs> well, it's funny. Just just it goes to show you how like it never ends, especially when you own an old house like me. So we did the knife class. The knife class went great. It was all awesome. We had a great time. And then the very next morning, I'm like walking past my basement. And it also rained un- unbelievably hard over the weekend. But we were all inside, so it didn't really matter. But <clears throat> I walked past my basement, and I usually kind of keep the door kicked open just to see if there's any problems down there. And I walked past my basement. And it was like a foot of water. And then I'm like, oh. I guess the uh, guess the rain didn't really find its way out, and I go down there. And for the I've been in here for 15 years. For the first time in 15 years, my sump pump broke. So I went mm. right from like the Nike people right into the ninth class, right into Monday morning fixing my sump pump, and yeah, and wow, then, uh, yeah, it was good. It was all good. And then I, actually, I, I also want to say another thing. I promise I will start putting up videos again of me making things. Anybody's listening? <laughs> That'll happen again soon. No, I just you know it's been such a whirlwind, and uh, I I just I just haven't had a chance to edit. I have things I just haven't done, and I started working on a Carolina shoe video, which is uh, my recent Instagram post of me just sketching it up. So I, I finally got about three hours worth of video production time. Me at the bandsaw. So in all of this, since I've been back, I've only been able to like work on a YouTube video for about three hours. You know, partially because of the flooded basement and just everything else. So if anybody's listening, still subscribes to me. I will actually eventually. <laughs> They're all gone. They're oh, all gone. It happens quick. Nah. <clears throat> That's funny. Well, I, I got a couple of questions here from Twitter. You guys got anything else you want to talk about before we go through these? So I asked yesterday when I thought we were going to record. We totally didn't record because of me. My fault. But uh, we got some good questions. Uh, and we can kind of run through these and we'll see. One of them was from Sean Graham, um, and he asked about personal personality brand development versus craft development. Where's the balance of getting people to want to learn from you and focus on elevating the audience? This is pretty good because we, as creators, have to build up some sort of a... Um, trust? Yeah, trust with the audience. And so they have to see us as for whatever thing you're trying to get across, they have to know who you are and what you're trying to get across to them so that they can trust what you say and how you present things and find whether they're interested or not. But to do that, you have to build up some sort of a personality or brand so that they, so that you're recognizable. Right. Right. And that is kind of a weird, uh, duality that you have to be a little bit selfish to be not selfish eventually. You know, (laughs) I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? It's a, I always say, I always say you got to brag because no one's going to do it for you. You know, you can't bring your mother everywhere you go. So you have to be a little (laughs) bit. That's funny. That's really good. (laughs) Oh man. I have missed you so much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be a little bit, uh, braggadocious and you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially if, uh, you know, what you're bragging about is something people could use. You know, I'm not sitting here bragging about, you know, how much money I have in the bank and and all the cool things I own. But, you know, I'm not saying I have either of those things, but (laughs) I'm bragging about what I know I can help you with. 
Mm. So I don't feel mm. bad about it. And like I, I was telling you guys before we got started, I, I was at Cornell Tech yesterday, and I was critiquing a group of students who, who each were, it was teams, and each team went up and did a five to ten minute presentation on a product they were working on. And I got to be the guest lecturer that tore apart every product they put up there. And by the end of it, I said, I hope I'm not being I really hope I'm not being negative. I said, I just want to make sure you guys don't go too far down a road that is well-traveled. If you're trying to be inventive or, you know, you got to also inventing means you got to like invent stuff. You're not just, you know, if you don't do your research, you're going to end up coming up with stuff that's already out there. And then you make a presentation to somebody and they go, oh, you mean like this one I have in my pocket? And then you go, oh, how come we didn't know that? So I'm up there given, like I said, I sounded a little bit, uh, I don't know if I'm going in the right direction for this conversation, but we, uh, I was up there kind of slapping them around a little bit with, you know, what's, what, what the right thing is to be a, a marketing person. And I kept apologizing for my, my brash, brash personality and they go, no, 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 this is good. This is good. This is good. We need this. So, uh, the teacher at the end said, don't feel bad. You were, you, you were exactly what we needed. You needed like a, a. so hmm. just talking about being the personality, but going back to the original thing is when I first started my YouTube channel, and I know Barry Katz. Actually, we have a podcast. Me and my brother did Barry's podcast, which was really awesome. We had a lot of fun doing it. It's two episodes. But going back, Barry was my 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 mentor in the early 2000s, like 2001 and two. And he always said, be undeniable. So when I started my YouTube channel, I had that in the back of my head. So I, was like, I could grab an audience. And for like the first year or two, I was just like, I tried to do undeniably cool things. You know, I, I don't know whether I achieved it or not on a mass scale, but I definitely garnished an audience. And then I was able to develop a trust and then slowly start to be myself more and more often. So it, it's it's something that is important if you want longevity in this business. You got to suck them in and then get them to trust you and, you know, and then, you know, be honest, open, sharing and caring and get involved in the comments and. And that's how you, uh, you know, develop the, the brand personality and the, the physical personality of what it is you're showing off. Hmm. So. Personality for me is really important. Being on camera is not something you can, I think for most people, you can just do. You have to learn to talk to the camera. And throughout the, the four or five years I've been doing this, if I look at my very early videos, it's really long and quiet and boring. And then I'm like, okay, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta exaggerate. And so then I think I over exaggerated when it's when we were doing the weekly wrap ups and everything was over the top and yelling at the camera and, and trying to be funny. And then over the last couple of years, bringing that back down to my actual personality. I still like to be funny, but we try to make it less upfront and more kind of like a casual thing that happens while while something is happening and the the personality is really really important to me because i look at one of my favorite channels is peter mckinnon the photography channel and some of his videos are tutorials some of his videos are just talking to the camera some of his videos are just he's out and looking for inspiration and taking photographs or videos of things and i that's my inspiration right now. I want to do that and have people watch all of those videos. I want to. I want. I don't want to just do. We're in my shop today. Here's step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I hope you make this. I want there to be more of like you're watching for me. 
um, to brag a little bit, I, because I'm selling myself. I'm not only selling the, the the things that I'm making, but I'm but I'm selling myself. And so I want people to watch my videos that are a little bit more maybe artsy or maybe a little bit more out there. So recently, I put out the sculpture video. I was so proud of this thing because it took me six weeks to make it. Six weeks in this class, and and I was re- I learned all these new things, and this project really meant a lot to me. Because it's throwing me in into a new direction, and it got half the views of any other project video that I've done. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad. I want people. There's even though you're not going to make this art piece, there's still things in there that you might get out of there. You know, so that's why I asked the question earlier, Bob. Like, do you struggle with putting out those types of videos? And so, I think if I'm uh, if people connect to my personality and they like me more, they'll watch more of the videos that uh, I'll put out, no matter what they are. That's that's the goal. I want everybody that likes me to watch all of my videos. And so personality is really important to me. And it's one of those weird things. So you, you if you make how-to videos, there's, there's, the, there's the item. And some people want to watch that video to make that item. Some people don't. So it's like a yes or no and then there's a personality you can like or dislike that personality so you're going to watch the video because you like it or not watch the video because you don't like that person and so now we're trying to blend those two things together so there's these two things that have to overlap that to get people to watch the videos and it's one of those things that i think about all the time and i struggle with and um in that sculpture video i changed the thumbnail i changed the title but i think i did it way too late and it probably hurt the video even more and it was a good lesson for me. Now, like, okay, when I do these projects again in the future, you know, how do I, how do I present this? You know, how do I present, like, you're going to learn something and we're going to have fun because you like watching my videos. And that, that's where I'm at right now with hmm. personality. Yeah. That's really interesting. So my, my take on it, I guess, is somewhere in the middle or maybe both of those things together. So I, when I started out, I was hoping, but I, it wasn't really a plan, but I was hoping that eventually I like to make stuff as a brand would outlive me and outgrow me personally. Um, and so I was trying to start with kind of both of these things at the same time, but not the same thing. Meaning that I didn't want my Bob personality, actual personality to be the defining thing of, I like to make stuff, but I wanted, I'm a part of it. Right. So I had to try to figure out a way to be myself and draw people in and be accessible to people, which I think is easy enough because I think it's very clear that I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time. And I hope that that is relatable to people, but I wanted it to people to start watching for that, but then eventually just like the idea of kind of being a constant learner under the umbrella of, I like to make stuff with the idea of more people coming on later so that we have other faces all of us together can, you know, so it's more of a, uh, it's a thing that's bigger than me. Right. But I wanted it to be valuable, not just, uh, showing me off. I didn't want to be like, this is the Bob channel. Cause Bob's cool. I don't, it's not that it's like, I wanted to be an example of Bob. I could make a stencil that says Bob is cool. You want that? I can make <laughs> <laughs> Please send me one too. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, great. Bob yeah. is cool all over my tools. but so it's kind of interesting to try to build a brand that's recognizable that has a certain connotation to it you know that is like 
making the stuff that you want to have. And then that being a little bit separated right now, it's still very tied into me as a person. But the idea, I think, is long term that that name and the premise behind that name will include more than just me doing the thing that I do. It will be other people doing the thing that they do with the same intention of being valuable to the people that are watching. And, but I think to, to get to that point, you have to build up a lot of trust with Bob, right? You have to start with me being someone trustworthy that I can, they want to continue to watch. And if they trust me and I'm willing to put someone else on my channel, you know, someone else in my same space, hopefully that trust would transfer to that person. So I guess to answer this question from Sean, I'm trying to use my personality as a way to build a level of trust for the brand that's above me, the thing that's on top. So that as we bring in more people, I mean, theoretically, I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but if we were to bring in more people under that umbrella, they would inherit that trust. And there's something also to be said about this. I wrote this down one time and I never really fully explored it about how when we work with brands, those brands are buying into the trust that we've built with our audience. Yep. And so those brands are inheriting a trust that they don't necessarily deserve Mm. right out of the gate. True, true. And so that's, I think I thought about that in reference to like someone was asking me about how do you decide who to work with or whatever. And it, this is a whole different subject, but it made me think of it that those brands that you choose to work with are uh, unfairly inheriting the trust that you've built with your audience. And so that's really important. That's why they pay a lot. For anybody out there looking, yeah, that's why they have to pay money. (laughs) And if you are looking at what brands to work with and all that type of stuff, keep that in mind that you've built something that they are getting for money. By the way, can I say something quick at the top? I've turned away like 15 gaming commercials. So they're insane right now. Yeah. So if you hate me for doing two gaming commercials in my whole life, I've turned away about 25 since then. So, so, you know, and that's a lot of money. Gaming companies are like legalized drug dealers. They have more money than (laughs) the most (laughs) richest Coke. They have more money than the cartel. It's insane. <laughs> and they're willing to spend it. Yeah. So that's why you yeah. see me in my shop doing two video game promotions that I'll probably never do again unless the video game's about me. Ooh, there you go. That, that'll never happen. Anyway, uh, back to the main question, though. I, I think for me, it's been a, a thing of using... I, I, I'm trying to build a thing on that's bigger than me, above me, whereas I'm like the second tier, but I have to be the first tier as a way to build trust for that you know, um, to eventually bring other people in theoretically. And like I said, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but you know what I just pictured? I pictured a big boardroom table and your four kids all in suits, but still little And the big, <laughs> I like to make stuff like dig glowing on the wall behind them mm. being in charge of the, I like to make stuff brand kind of like Hasbro or Mattel. Oh, that'd but, be awesome. But you're, you're no longer around, but your kids are still little and they, they've been, having that's interesting um i don't know do you guys have anything else on this on this question no i just think if if it's something well yes if it's something that people want to do if you're listening and this is something you think you want to do uh you just uh i don't know it sounds cliche but you just got to be consistent and open and honest and you know you really it's really your heart's got to be in the right place to want to share you know so i see some youtubers you know, they get aggressive and weird and they, they're mad at YouTube for some reason. I mean, 
I'm thinking of one specific YouTuber, but I won't say his name. And I'm thinking like, just like, let it go. Just like, be happy. You know, it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and that person I'm talking about still creates great content and he has an audience, but he's always upset about the algorithm and the, and, and, and the view count and this and that. It's like, just chill and just do what you do best, which still shines through regardless of all your griping. And just do that and just be easygoing. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of this comes back to what your intention is. Everybody has different reasons for making videos and a different goal for what those will cause and everything. And that has a lot to do with whether you're building a brand or building a personality or if you're trying to keep the personality out of it, you know, and just like all the the videos that are just someone's hands doing something to get the education across. That's just like a different thing, whereas the personality and the branding may not be as important. But that all boils down to figuring out what you're trying to accomplish at the beginning and then figuring out how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. well, one funny on it, one funny unintentional thing. You just reminded me when in the beginning I was mostly just showing my hands and occasionally I showed like a full shot of me, but most of the time it was just hands and me doing things. And what came out of that mostly was uh, besides fans and views, but what came out of that quite a bit is, you know what you've inspired me to do? Just get started and stop thinking through like the fast forward pace kind of was like a bit feverish for people to watch. And they go, Oh my God, what am I waiting on something? What am I waiting for the, either the perfect moment to start or I'm waiting for, uh, you know, for me to have the the right tool or the perfect blade or the, you know, the, the clouds have to align for me to do this the right way. And by watching you jump right into a project, you just inspired me to just get going and stop worrying about being perfect. So that was a unintended consequence of me doing the videos in the style that I did. And that's great. That's that's Hmm. great. great. Um, Well, I got another one here. We got, we're like 40 minutes in. Yeah. So this one um, is from Gabs and it's, I know you already did this, which I don't know if we did this or not. Which tool investment pays off the quickest when doing small production runs, CNC, laser, 3d printer, et cetera. So I think this is talking about more digital tools specifically. Mm. No, no, no. I'm going to add a tool to that list. A, what? A drum I think the question was about that, but yeah, go ahead. A drum Ooh, sander. Yeah. If you're doing woodwork, a drum sander saves me so much time. And I rarely show it on camera because it, there, there's no reason to a, a lot of times. But if you have, they're so expensive, but if you have one, you can sand things so fast. It saves so much time. That's true. I got one because you told you said that one time, that how much you use it, but it's not on camera. And I was like, oh. So I could get one and not put it on camera too and save time. And it, you were absolutely right. It it gets through a huge amount of work with basically no effort much faster. So, hmm. yeah. But they are expensive. Yeah. Does, do drum sanders have snipe? If you have a really small piece, um, if you don't hold it down against the belt, it might jump up a little bit. But 99% of the time, you don't have to worry about that. Okay. Because I never, I never used one. And you have a lot of kind of fine adjustment about how far down the roller's pressing. So you can make really, really tiny bites to where if there was snipe, it wouldn't be noticeable if you wanted to. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. If you try to do too much, you'll get it a little bit. But So, Jimmy, I think you're the only one of us that's actually done any kind of production, Mm -hmm. maybe not even production, but quantity of of the same thing. The CNC machine is definitely 
the way to go. I think you could hit the ground running with a CNC machine. While I did the TV show, I invited uh, ShopBot to be part of the TV show, and they sent out a desktop Max, which is two feet by three foot CNC machine. And I, I'm obviously a, a ShopBot guy, and I love the ShopBot machines. I've grown so used to them and, and know what to expect. And I now worked with my third machine, working on the TV show, but I got the five by eight. And I have a, a, a my original desktop. We have the desktop and the desktop max. The desktop is 18 by 24, and the max is 24 by 36. And on the show, everybody was just so impressed with the machine. They came over. It's funny how many people never heard or saw a CNC machine. And that's pretty much everybody in Hollywood. Everybody walked over and said, what is this thing? Is this a laser? What does it do? How does it make these magical shapes? I said, well, there's a router head right there, and it cuts, and, and it works. So surprisingly, one of the guys on the the team, Zach, who was a new friend of mine, Zach said, how much is this machine? And it was retails for about $10,000. If you were to go straight to the website and buy it, it comes with some accessories, which I didn't have because they just sent out the raw machine for me to get started. And they gave it to him for a considerable discount because it was a machine that they didn't then have to pay to have shipped back. It was just a loaner. They didn't send it to the show for keeps. So they made a deal with Zach and Zach ended up buying the machine. So it, it reminds me to call him and find out how he's doing with it. Cause he had never used one. And in the process of me using the machine and giving him some insight and how he could make money. And he's in the prop business is like, dude, you, you need one of these. He says he's farmed some stuff out, but he never really had the, the access to one himself to use it. So he's, uh, he's real excited to learn and use it. But, I know from my own personal experience, when I got the CNC machine, and of course I was working with Bullet Bourbon, that's right away where I started making money. These things they wanted, the very first thing I ever did, I promised them I was going to make these plaques. And they go, oh, you got this new CNC machine. Make it on that. So it's perfect. And I was like, great. And then I went back and I'm <laughs> well, like in my okay. shop in the room, like, how do I use this machine? I don't even know how to use it. And I don't even know really how to set a file up. But the timing was perfect because Make Affair in New York was there and I went and I sat with the people at ShopBot and I, they, I didn't have the relationship I have with them now. I was just being like the annoying guy that bought a machine going, it doesn't work. I don't know what to do. So I was annoying to them and they, <laughs> they gave me a quick education and said, go ahead, go away, kid, you're bothering me. So they gave, that quick education I got was everlasting. And I went back, I made those three things which took like a half a day and I charged thousands of dollars for them and the machine was 7000 and right away I made almost $3000 on one job on the CNC machine mm. to pay it back so that's that's that was what I imparted on Zach I'm like you're going to spend you know close to $10,000 for this machine I said but just think of it like this that's three jobs and it's paid for three good potent yeah. jobs and it's paid for I think that's an important thing to think about too you talk about like ACNC or a laser or a 3D printer, each one of those tools has a, a price range from, you know, $100, $200 up to $20,000. It depends on the machine, the specific machine you're talking about. But even the ones that are relatively expensive, you know, uh, your ShopBot or my CNC router parts are both up in the several thousand dollar range. Um, but you could do, I, I know Josh does some um, woodworking stuff on the CNC. He'll cut out these shape MDF shapes and sell them to this woman who uses them for art. And she'll she he does the shapes. She does the art on top of them. So he's making like blanks, and he makes pretty good money. You know, hundreds of dollars cutting out these blanks on an X carve. And so, whereas you know, you spend maybe a thousand dollars on like a maxed out X carve CNC machine, you do five of those jobs of cutting MDF boards and shipping them to someone, it's paid for. And then after that, it's 100% profit. 
And so you scale that up to like a ShopBot CNC router parts or any of the other many, many CNC machines that are out there. It's just doing 10 more of those or, you know, 20 more of those production, those individual pieces. And once that thing is paid for, it is 100% profit after that. So the bigger investment you put up front on any of these machines, the longer it's going to take to pay for it. But you probably will pay for it. Now, we'll say with a 3D printer, I feel like you're less likely to be able to sell things at a, at a high enough price to pay for it quickly. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But I think the individual pieces that you sell off of a 3D printer will not garner the same... I, don't, I honestly don't profit. think you can make any money off a 3D printer unless you're using it to you, make content. You can, you can, but I, I think the the profit per individual piece is far less than if you were to cut out a really intricate <laughs> shape on a big it, piece of wood that somebody couldn't do by hand. You yeah. know what I mean? Like with the yeah. CNC. It makes me, it, maybe I'm being a bit sarcastic, but it reminds me of somebody buying like a laser printer from, from Epson and saying, okay, now I'm going to charge everybody a dollar a sheet. When the guy goes, I'll just yeah. go buy it. I'll just go buy my own printer for fifty bucks. I don't need. You know what I mean? So it, it, yeah. you're dealing with like little, much smaller I, margins. And the point I think where it's it, like you could just jump right in. It depends on how you use it. So yeah. uh, a lot of t- things take a long time to three D print, and then there's also uh, the, the cleanup time. So it depends on what you're making. But if you can throw something on the three D printer, walk away. Uh, a few hours later, you put the next thing on, and it's not taking up yeah. any of your time. Or you might be using the 3D printer to make, let's say, a mold that you are then going to cast, uh, you know, some smooth-on mm-hmm. stuff into. So it might it might just be a step in in the tool to do right. a mass production of something. That's a good point. So if you're like a yeah. you know a part maker, you could make. You, I think if you're a part maker and you're going to open your business for that, you need all three of these things just to have mm-hmm. in hand. So that would definitely be a good piece of that arsenal where you could 3D print I think when something. It, when it comes to props and cosplay stuff as well, there's a lot of people who want to do cosplay, have a costume, but they can't. They don't have a printer. They don't want to yeah. buy a printer, but they need a sword or they need a this piece or that piece. Mm-hmm. And being able to produce those, even raw, and ship them out so that that person can finish them, there's yeah. a lot of stuff there. Another thing to think about, um, I got contacted a few months ago by somebody that I knew and he was doing a film production and needed a 3d printed part done. And I said, well, I don't have time to do right now, but I know Josh can probably take it on as like a little freelance thing. So Josh took it on. Turns out that it was, they had a drone, they were shooting a thing with Red Bull and they had a drone fly in a specialized can to Ninja. Who's like this, uh, this video game streamer guy who's real popular. And he had his own can of his own specific Red Bull can. So they needed a fixture that would hang from the drone to hold a Red Bull can. Josh modeled this little three-legged hook thingy in like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or something, printed it out, shipped it out there. They used it for this photo shoot, and he got paid for it. And like that that's a totally random thing that you wouldn't like, I'm going to make a Red Bull can holder. You know, you wouldn't do that. But yeah. if you have that capability and someone needs some specialized thing, then you almost have a leg up on on somebody who doesn't have a printer or doesn't have a CNC or doesn't have a whatever because he could very quickly prototype something and get it out. And, you know, I just couldn't, I didn't have the time to take that thing on, uh, but he was able to do it really quickly. So that was awesome. And he got paid for it, you know? I mean, so that helps. So I guess the answer is 
Who knows? <laughs> it depends. It's yeah. It really depends on the machine and and the type of work you take on too. Yeah. You know, like look at uh, mancrafting. He he does laser etching on on uh, uh, powder coated tumblers. Mm-hmm. He's done a whole business on that. Like everybody, I, everybody I hang out with has a tumbler from him. I'm like, it's amazing how the penetration he's gotten in our market. <clears throat> you know, there was some people here at the knife class this weekend, and a couple of them had the tumblers from Mancraft. With their logos and you know their personalizing on them, so <clears throat> it all depends on how aggressive you are and how dedicated you are to taking that machine and turning it into a profit. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I hope that was helpful, Gabs. I don't know if it was or not. I know what another I machine, think- Dave. You brought it up for a minute. Is another machine is my new. Well, I don't want to say new. I've had it for about three years on my plasma table. If you want to take the mm. time and energy and invest in cutting uh, steel. Get yourself a plasma table. There's a lot to choose from. I'm obviously endorsing Torchmate, but if you get one of those, it is amazing. Chris Zepp and over the weekend was here during the uh, the knife class, and he wanted to make a part. Once we got the thing, I'll tell you. I'll go back a little bit. We had a funny moment where a couple of guys showed up early for the knife class, and I've been thinking about buying a forklift, twenty thousand dollar forklift. And the first thing I was going to do with my forklift oh. was pick up my CNC machine and put it in the workshop. Because now I needed to get that done, and I was like, it's a good reason to buy. It's a good excuse. I'll start moving other stuff around, and I will eventually get one. But I'm looking around, and there's about 10 guys standing around the shop, all kind of like waiting for the final few students to show up so we could at least get the class going. And Friday's very informal when at my farmhouse for the for the classes. We hang out. It's kind of getting to know you, a couple guys drinking beers, and we'll have dinner, and we'll, it's all just chatting. And now it's like 6 o'clock, and the, the sun was still up. I'm like, hey, I got a great idea. I go, why don't we all move my plasma table <laughs> into the new barn? You guys excited for that? So you might have saw my Instagram story where I, I got everybody together and we all picked up the plasma machine. It probably weighs a couple thousand pounds. I don't know. But eight of us, two people on each side, picked it up and we carried it down the driveway, which is probably about 100 yards, and put it in its new location. We took it out of the container. And the reason I haven't been using it is because when we redirected the electric, there was no longer the right electric. There wasn't any electric at the container anymore. So it's been months that I've been able to, it's like almost a year that I have been able to really turn the machine back on. And so now it's it's got its new resting place for the moment. I'm going to put it on casters, believe it or not. I'm going to put it on casters so I can rearrange that room in any way I want, ultimately. But that uh, machine now is accessible. And right away, Chris Epps like, oh, make me a part, make me a part. And I was a little neurotic because I had to still catch up and understand the software. I haven't used it in so long. So I had to go find my dongle. Brett found the dongle that opens up the software on the computer so I can design a cut path. And I, I still vaguely have knowledge of what to do. Obviously, I've been able to make cuts, but it was a, a, a big learning curve to get back into it and open that machine up and turn it on. The software, I'm sure, is outdated. I've been talking to them since uh, I posted about it, and I'm going to have a conversation with them today about getting software upgraded and, and getting back into uh, you know the consumables and stuff. But uh, that machine is amazing, and, and Chris Zepp said it, and I always say it, and this is my long story to get to this one point, is having a plasma table that can cut up to half-inch thick steel, that will actually even cut one inch steel with an edge start you, you can't penetrate it but if you edge start one inch steel you could you can cut it's like having special powers it's like being a superhero <laughs> and being able to like you know steel man and like burn and you make shapes and steel steel man will make any shape in steel but everybody could be steel man not just me yes 
I, I want to add one more thing to that. If you're thinking about getting a CNC to do repeated things for something to sell, but maybe it's not in the budget yet, you can make templates for your handheld router or your router table. Yeah. And that's a great way to see if like, yeah. okay, I can make see these the pattern things, bit. see if they sell, and then you can use use that money if, if they sell to invest into a CNC. There's always more than one way to do something. And by the way, I, I'm going to bring Absolutely. up my my buddy Jeff Shaw, and uh, that's Ideal Grain on Instagram. Jeff just bought a CNC machine specifically with the intentions of starting a business making furniture. So you can go check out Ideal Grain on Instagram and follow along with Jeff and tell him I sent you. You'll see what he did. He just got his machine up and going, and he came over to my place and I let him use my machine for a day, and he came with a bunch of plywood and hope he was very efficient. He cut out a ton of stuff. All day long, he was at me. Like, so to have access with those intentions, like he just needed a machine. His makerspace was, you know, there's always a hold up. There's always a bottleneck. So he called me and said, hey, can I come over to your place and use your machine for a day? I said, sure. And he did a great job working there. I watched and learned some things from him, watching him do some of his production stuff. But then he got his own machine since, and he's up and running. So check him out if you want to see somebody who's just starting a business with their own big CNC machine, 4 by 8 machine. I believe it's cool. a CNC router parts machine. Sweet. Um, well, if you guys don't have anything else on this, we can talk. I already thanked Patreon supporters, so we can go right into what we're watching. Uh, Jimmy? Yeah, I'm going to talk. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a specific link. I guess he does have an Instagram. But Roman Boutine, you guys know this guy? Roman, no. R-O-M-A-N-B-O-O-T-E-N or T-E-E-N. If you Google his name in YouTube, there's a whole bunch of stuff on him. I don't think he has his own channel, but he has an Instagram, which is, does very well. It's incredible what this guy makes. It is incredible. He takes oh. coins and carves coins and puts mechanisms in coins. Uh, stuff is starting to go viral a little bit. I mean, he's one of those guys wow. that will have – he's going to have – he's the kind of guy whose content just gets bootlegged and viraled everywhere. And he probably doesn't ever get any of the uh, – you know, the – uh, the uh, benefits of having all these viral videos on YouTube and Instagram. Wow. You guys will get into this stuff. He has all this medieval style content. He carves coins. So he'll get like a big silver dollar and carve a mechanism where if you pull a sword, what? a shield opens up. It's insane. These are crazy. It, is, it, is this channel insane. called Change You Can Wear? I don't think so. Like I said, I think his, his channel, I don't think he has a YouTube channel, but his mm. content gets boot. Uh, bootlegged and redone and all these little channels do stories on them roman boutine so check that out it's it's incredible i've been following him on instagram look for him on instagram i think it says his name and then underneath it it says nothing is for sale (laughs) because everybody's like i want to buy that (laughs) he makes these incredible museum pieces that will be in a museum in 100 100 300 400 years from now Hmm. and his pieces are just insane and again i don't know what he looks like i've never heard his voice he just makes all you see is his hands and because the the popularity of uh with alex Steele and uh uh guys that do the carving um there's one or two other people whose names i'll look up on instagram i'm just drawing a blank that do the the metal carving with like under a microscope this is what the guy does yeah, like super fine engraving. These are Crazy. incredible. All hand engraved. No no CNC machines ever seem to be involved. Insane. And then just again, more wow. content. Uh, I did the Adam Carolla show while we were out in LA. That was a lot of fun. Got to hang out and meet Adam for about an hour. 
he has a, a podcast production studio. So he, like we, he did one just before us. He was doing one right after us. So we got to hang out for a few minutes before and after, but that was a lot of fun doing Adam Carolla's show. I did Ace on the House. And then I got to do the Barry, Pot, Barry Katz podcast, which is also called Industry Standard. So if you are interested in more content uh, about my trip in LA, we'll talk about that on both of those podcasts. So that was fun. That's it. So mine is similar to Jimmy's, but with Wood, it, his name is, looking it up, uh, Jonas Olson Woodcraft. And his latest video is this dragon wood carving. And it's super cool. And w- w- you look at the thumbnail and you're like, wow, that, how do you, how do you even start to do that? And then in the video, you're like, that makes so much sense. So it's, it's, it's really cool. It's kind of, um, it, it, it I've gotten some ideas into how some of these things are made, and then the way he presents oh, this wow. dragon on the on this board is is really cool. I don't know. It's just a this video just deserves so many more views. This channel deserves so so many more views because there's so much detail in, in his work. I love it. Cool. Um, so mine is somebody that you've talked about before, uh, Steve Mold. You know Steve Mould? Mm-hmm. Um, does some science stuff. He he actually doesn't do a whole lot of YouTube these days. He's done a good amount in the past, but he's, like, writing books, and he does a lot of, like, performance stuff. But he did a video a while back, and it just, it resurfaced for me after I'd seen it for a while, um, called How to Make Inverted Bubbles. And it's just one of those things that, like, it's not complicated. It's not mind-blowing. But when you look at it, it kind of, like, I don't know. It broke me a little bit. I was like, wait, but how bubbles are supposed to be round in spheres <laughs> because of physics and stuff. He takes, uh, he makes a square frame. You just have to watch it. He makes a square frame and then makes a bubble within the square frame and then pokes a hole in the middle of it. And so there's an, a circular void in the bubble, but it's a flat square bubble. <laughs> it's, hmm. it's weird. And it's not I mean, it makes sense when you see it, but the thing that struck me about this was that it's one of those things that I would never, ever have thought of, like, why would you try to do this? What's the point of this? Why would you go to the effort to figure out how to make this thing happen? But somebody did it for a very specific purpose, and it just kind of made me look at that, the bottom, made me look at bubbles differently. And I think there's not enough things for me that that I I get used to so much stuff, right? I'm do you not the way do you not this, trust bubbles anymore? I don't. I trust don't. Bubbles. They're I don't all trust liars. Oh, no, <laughs> there's so many things that I get used to, and I'm just you know we do things this way, and then you see something just weird like that, kind of out of context, and it, yeah. I don't know. I, it just made me want to be like I should start looking at more interesting ways to do things, or take something that I know <laughs> well and flip it on its head and try to do something different with it. I don't like bubbles because they don't have pants on, so I don't like bubbles. <laughs> anyway, go check it out. He's also really funny. Um, <laughs> not necessarily in this video, but Steve Mould's just a funny guy. He, he does a lot of science stuff and presents it super well. So go check him out. You guys got anything else? I would just want to say it was uh, incredibly sad to watch uh, Notre Dame burn. It was unbelievable. I was mm, I was yeah. with my buddy and uh, we were uh, watching. I was like, "Oh my god, there's smoke coming out of the roof of Notre Dame!" And then, obviously, within hours, it was in tremendous, crazy fire. I've been there, and uh, it reminds everyone's like talking about. Oh, I saw this some stupid controversy, like people bragging about having gone to Paris versus just like putting up pictures 
you know, of your memory of being at Notre Dame. And uh, I've been there and I got pictures of me hanging out with the gargoyles and stuff. I went to Paris alone in the 90s by myself. I traveled to Europe, a bunch of cities, just on a, just a little self, you know, ex uh, exploration trip. And uh, it was just unbelievable. And you know, just being inside that place is, 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 it's for me, it's not about the religion. It's about the accomplishment of man and, and the, the, the unbelievable ability of the human race to be able to create something like that. And, and, and it's just a, and it, in and of itself is just an object of, of, of a, it's a museum that is itself the museum. And it's just unbelievable. And uh, like I said, just to, to see, to see the destruction of it was just tragic and we'll see what happens. It's funny. And when you look back through the history of the, you know, the human race and timeline, you think, Oh yeah. Oh, do you remember when an airplane flew through the world trade center, through the empire state building, an airplane flew through the empire state building. And like you think, oh my God, the Empire State Building, you know, it was only a few years old when it happened. An airplane flew through the Empire State Building when it was about 25 years old, 20 years old. Huh. Flew through and came out the other side. That's something nobody knows. So there are these Whoa. like moments in time that, that were, you know, tragedies at the moment. But, you know, we rebuild, redo, re, yeah. remake. And the fact that the building didn't fall down. And it was just seem, it seemed, I mean, obviously there's tons of destruction, but it seems like it's just the wooden structure above all the vaulted ceilings. And a couple of the vaults fell. I mean, I, I, I'm really curious to see, like nobody really knows how it was done, but we're going to find out because they're going to get to rebuild it, you know? So there'll be some amazing learning in the next 50 years when they rebuild mm. that place. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that was a tragedy for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons, for sure. Yeah. Um. Well... If you guys don't have anything else, we'll wrap this up and go to the after show. You guys got anything else? That's it. Mm, I love you. Nope. Love you too. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you later. Aw. Uh, sweet. Love you. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a six-year-old that's like being forced to say something. You're like, I love you. I love you too. <laughs>